It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. We've got a shakeup at the top of the Big Ten with the two-week surge from the team in Nebraska. Seems a good week to talk to the Cornhuskers coach. So we'll have Will Bolt on the Big Baseball Podcast. I'm Kyle Charters with Drew Charters hanging out here in studio once again to talk a little bit of baseball as we've really hit the, the crux of the season, right, Drew? We're, we're ready to go. We've fallen into a good rhythm. Everything's good. And, man, those Cornhuskers, uh, they have surged their way to the top of the Big Ten. Uh, they've played well here the last couple of weekends. Yeah, the Big Ten's kind of shaking out how it normally does. We're into the season now. You've got your top team, so you think can make some separation. You've got a whole bunch of teams Right there in the middle at <laughs> at ten and eight and eight yeah. and eight and nine and nine and nine and ten, and then you've got you know a few that are trailing behind. But Nebraska, the stragglers, has has really been playing well, winning eight of their last nine to really take charge. And you know, not something really that I expected to see. You know, Nebraska come out, you know, so much on top in the Big Ten yeah. after this week. I kind of thought it'd still be, you know, really the three teams, which it is. Nobody's out of it. Uh, but to see Nebraska up there is, is good, and uh, we've got Will Bolt on today to talk all about it. We're going to talk all all red, everything red we're going to talk about today. Nebraska, Ohio State, Indiana. You got got some on Maryland we can talk about? You got anything on the Terps? We can hit the Terps. They won on Monday 17-7 to or something. There's the offense for, for Maryland. Over Michigan, right? Yeah, came alive. Uh, so we'll talk all the red teams. Go red. Let's start with Big Red and, and Nebraska. That Cornhusker team, look, before the season started, we thought, okay, Nebraska's going to be able to hit the ball, right? And uh, and they can. That's yeah. proven to be the case. But what the difference, I think, for the Cornhuskers uh, has been is just its ability to pitch it a little bit. And it hasn't been – I don't know that it's been, like, great – pitching the ball, but those guys, especially the weekend rotation, has really kept the Cornhuskers in games and allowed that offense to win. Well, I think for me, we knew Nebraska was going to be up there before the season started, and we didn't know Chance Roach. We had no idea a transfer in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't know Shanneman a transfer in. We didn't know Max Anderson a freshman, and all of those guys – have really stepped up in, in in their own way for Nebraska, and it's the reason why they're at the top of the Big Ten. I mean, Max Anderson, I mean, you know, probably highly touted. Oh, yeah. But we saw, you and I saw him play early, and you could tell right away that he was the real deal. And when, mm-hmm. you, have, when you have him along with the veterans in that lineup and, yeah. and Twellenbach and uh, Cam Chick and Joe Aker and – um, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but if you got those Jackson, veterans, Hallmark. yeah, Hallmark, those veterans with Max Anderson and then the newcomers on the pitching staff, yeah. it's all coming together for the Cornhuskers. Yeah, Cade Povich has been really good too at the top of that rotation. So you know that has been uh, a group that has really surged. Now, I look at their so they the, so Nebraska swept uh, Minnesota a week ago, took two of three. And a windy day. We've said that before. A windy day there in uh, uh, Champaign. The schedule, I think, is interesting for Nebraska because it has uh, Maryland a home, uh, then Penn State on the road, right? And then at Michigan State. So I think 
there's a chance here for Nebraska to continue. Not that those teams are bad, but they're at the moment middle of the pack type of teams. Um, and then they have a bunch of games at the end of the year against IU and Rutgers and Northwestern, Ohio State and Michigan. So maybe, you know, they can get a little bit of separation, a game or two. I'm not talking about a lot, but I think they can continue to, to battle at the top of the Big Ten. And then the schedule for everyone, it seems like the schedule for everyone who is at the top tightens up yeah. in May. And it's going to make it uh, a really interesting final month of the season. I think I think if I was a head coach in Big Ten baseball, that is what I would want specifically this season. Because the offseason was different. And generally you wanna, you know Oh yeah. You wanna build your schedule to play some tough teams in the non conference and really get out there and play the the top of the top. Because when that, you know, when the when the playoffs start, the Big Ten tournament starts, those type of things really pay off. But with this season being how it is, mm-hmm. I would probably argue that it's best to sort of, you know, dip your toes in a little bit <laughs> yeah. and and play some teams and then have that tough sketch towards the end of the season where, you know, we speak of newcomers for Nebraska, where those newcomers are now veteran Big Ten players yeah. at the end of their season. Max Anderson's a veteran. Chance Roach is pitched in the Big Ten by that point now a lot. And, and so you've got some experience and you can really make a run at the thing. Let's talk about two red teams that squared off against each other in Columbus, Ohio State and Indiana. And and these two played four games over the weekend in Ohio. Uh, And guess what? The Buckeyes swept all four. I mean, that is hard to do against anyone. Yeah. I mean, you, you play a team that's dead last in any conference and you play them in four games. And you might very well only take three of those games. It's just hard to do. There's so many variables involved in baseball. But for Ohio State to sweep Indiana, vaulting the Buckeyes to 12-7, and seven, third place in the Big Ten, a couple of games back of Nebraska and, you know, half game or whatever it is. Uh, Michigan is in there as well. Uh, but they did so in dramatic fashion. Zach Denzinzo gets the walk-off on Sunday for the sweep. I guess it's his first walk-off of any sort ever at any level. How does he remember? You know, walk-off <laughs> on T-ball? I know. When's you, T-ball start, by the way? You got uh, T-ball uh, coming up? Yeah, and, uh, maybe a, a month. What is this? This is April, right? Yeah. Uh, a few weeks. We are practicing starting in a few weeks. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then the big games, man. Walk-offs in T-ball are hard, by the way, because everybody bats. You know? So, are we allowed to talk about this that uh, – we're going to do adventures in, in, in T-ball coaching or in yeah. adventures in T-ball later uh, during the podcast when you get actually into it. But uh, there was a – I would like to say this. There was a fellow coach that sort of, you know, maybe went a little Norman Dale on him a little bit uh, there. He was really uh, getting after his, his four- and five-year-olds. I think we're allowed to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> one of my neighbors, a little girl on the team, quit T-ball because of this said coach. And uh, we noticed something funny. Is he a listener it, to the podcast? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, first game of the season we played against him and he was no nonsense let me tell you no nonsense (laughs) t-ball is serious business (laughs) i have no idea how we got into this uh, walk-offs yeah walk-offs didn't even have one in in t-ball we've talked a lot about this pitching staff and man it was really good i can't believe we've gotten into the seventh minute here today and haven't talked about seth lonsway and and what he did (laughs) Over the weekend, it is a shame that that was a seven-inning game because it would have been unbelievable to see what he would have done in the last two innings. He was only at 95 pitches, so would have went at least one more. 
But Lonsway has 17 strikeouts in seven innings, a shutout against Indiana. But that staff, the whole staff, 4-0, obviously, 46 strikeouts in 34 innings. It gave up four runs against Indiana. This is not a slouch offensive team. Four earned runs, a 1.06 ERA. The Hoosiers hit 154 against Ohio State over the weekend. I mean, it was a complete domination by yeah. Ohio State. And I'll add one more thing to the Lonsway uh, stat line there. His second inning, nine pitches, nine strikes, oh three strikeouts. Crazy. How do you do that? That's unbelievable. <laughs> What's a better stat? That stat or three grand slaves by Northwestern in the first three <laughs> innings earlier this season? How about know. that for a discussion? But, you know, you and I talked at the beginning of the season, and, and I think after week one, we were like, where's Griffin Smith? Yeah. Well, Griffin Smith is there, but he's in the bullpen because Jack Neely happened. Yeah. Jack Neely, you could argue that he's pitching the best out of the three, and he's the Sunday starter. He's got the best ERA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of strikeouts himself. Uh, he's got 31 strikeouts and just 22 innings pitched. Also, so you add another high strikeout guy there, and you know we've talked. They've you know this pitching staff has been inconsistent. There's no secret about it. Right. But you know in this series against IU, you can really see what they can bring, and IU really struggled. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing about Ohio State, though. It's dead last in batting average in the Big yeah. Ten, two twenty seven, is only averaging like what five and a half runs. Per game, I think. So is its streak here sustainable? Can it continue on this path if it only hits 227? I mean, it's got to be better than that, right? I think that brings into question, is the pitching staff inconsistent or is the offense just not good enough to, to yeah, I mean, you put a lot of them. You, I, I, I always so believe pressure. this. Yeah, I always believe this in baseball. You put, if you put that kind of pressure on a pitching staff. It just, it cannot hold up. Yeah. It just can't. And that's where you, that inconsistency comes in. Yeah, I you you put all that, you know, uh, those guys go out there and put up, uh, the offense goes out there and, and, you know, zero, 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 one. You know, doesn't put up multiple run innings very often. You're just stressing that pitching staff out a lot. And so it scored a little bit more this weekend against Indiana. And so perhaps... You know, that's a sign that the offense is coming alive a little bit. It'll be interesting to see with Ohio State. Uh, if it can hit the ball with any more consistency, maybe that's a team that we weren't paying enough attention to in those first few weeks that is is lurking right now. Now, it plays some teams in the second half of the season also, but perhaps as those, you know, as the Nebraska and Michigan and Indiana and maybe Northwestern they beat each other up a little bit, maybe Ohio State is uh, sitting right there. As the victor, uh, they they beat Indiana. Indiana got swept. Well, Indiana but that's the hurt. other that's the other part of the story. That that what I mean, what was that? What had they scored seven runs? I think they scored seven runs and had eight errors. Yeah, they had more errors than runs, so they didn't <laughs> do anything to help themselves. I mean, I know that Lonsway and company, you know, threw lights out. Yeah, but Indiana didn't do themselves any favors in that series. It sounds like they just didn't play well all weekend. Errors, mental errors. You look at this. Indiana, eight of Indiana's 11 wins are against Purdue, Penn State, and Minnesota. What does that mean? Yeah. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Who is Indiana? Is Indiana you I, know, first I was, place 11 and whatever they were, 11 and you were they lost more, five straight, so 11 and two, yeah. or are they 0 and 5? 
You were more positive about Indiana when we watched them in the Purdue series than I was, I thought. And up until that time, their pitching staff had only given up like 10 runs all season. Yeah. And I looked at them, I'm like, okay. I mean, they have some young pieces, but I, I just, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't fully there. And then they get swept. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You look at that schedule and, and then what they have upcoming, even the next two weeks. Like, they're not playing – they're playing good teams the next couple of weeks, Illinois at home and then at Northwestern. Uh, those could be a, a tough couple of weekends, and, you know, we'll see with Indiana. Th- those are similar teams to Ohio State. Yeah. Not in style, but in uh, performance. Um, so we'll see over these next couple of weeks exactly who Indiana is because I think that's a good question. Who are the Hoosiers? I mean, they we'll, got to clean up the defense. They can't have eight that errors is not good. Uh, okay, let's go uh, before we talk to Will Bolt in his second year as the head man of Nebraska. Of course, he's been around that program, former player, former assistant coach. We'll talk to him in just a moment. Let's hit uh, big, big arm and big bat. I'm going to start with big arm. Hey, uh, pretty much I just <laughs> looked at what happened on Saturday with Seth Lonsway. And I was like, yeah, shut it down. I'm not looking at anything else. I like how you and I usually split these up. Like you say, I'll take big arm yeah. this week. I'll take big bat. You are on it. Yeah. On it. Hey, I'll take big arm this I'll week. Take big yeah, arm. thanks. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> Seth Lonsway, complete game two hitter. He recorded 17 strikeouts. There are only 21 outs in a seven inning game. If you need me to do the math for you. Uh, hold on. The other, I have this written down. The other outs that were not via strikeout. They got a double play in the fourth, a ground out in the fifth, and a line out in the seventh. I assume that line out, that did not go. I don't know if they hit the ball out of the infield. The Hoosiers didn't hit the ball out of the infield. Okay. 17 strikeouts, a career high, obviously. He walked one. I assume that was before the double play. And threw only 95 pitches. So had the game been a nine-inning game, I don't know. What, what would he have gotten there? 20, 21 strikeouts? You'd have to think. If he stays in for the ninth, I mean, just unbelievable. He obviously yeah. is, is the big arm. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I don't think we've ever had, even when McCade Brown won it a, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm not sure it was as clear-cut as it is this week. We will mention a couple other guys. Really, it wasn't a big... I mean, there's nobody really challenged here unless I'm missing somebody. Connor Larkin and Bailey Dees uh, both had six shutout innings uh, for Penn State against Rutgers. Steve Hajar went uh, six and two-thirds. Hadger, excuse me, went uh, six and two-thirds, ten strikeouts, couple of earned runs, no decision. Um, oh, in that same game as Dees, Harry Redkowski took a loss the game was one to nothing, but he went. This is probably the the second best performance of the weekend. Rutkowski went eight innings, four hits, one earned run, and seven strikeouts, but he lost because yeah. Penn State won that game one to nothing. Quinn Lavelle at Northwestern, six innings, an earned run, a couple of strikeouts. Trent Johnson at Purdue, seven innings, a run. Purdue ended up losing this game because after he came out, the bullpen didn't do so well. Five strikeouts, a couple of walks. But look, you know, it's Lon's way. <laughs> I mean, he's, that's the best performance you'll see all year. You can't beat that. Why didn't Stats and Research look up how many big arms Lonsway has won 
in this program uh, over the last few years. Has well, he, he won win, the most? Did he win last year at all in the first four weeks or three um, weeks or whatever we played? I don't probably remember. Probably not. I don't remember. He won a lot, though, as a freshman. I know. Maybe we can get stats and research on that for next week, or if he wins again <laughs> later in the year, we'll have to look that stats up. Stats and research quit on me after <laughs> I made him actually work last week. They just they turned in their papers on Monday. Their transfer papers. They're in the portal. Transferring to a better podcast. All right, uh, Big Bat, what do you got? Uh, let's go uh, a couple of guys from Iowa, because you and I saw uh, this series in person. Peyton Williams had two home runs. They lost this game to Purdue. He had two home runs on Saturday. And Purdue basically Purdue just, gave up. Yeah. Purdue gave up on him. They uh, stopped pitching to him the rest of the weekend. They Which either is, walked yeah. him or intentionally walked him. Even with runners on base and nobody out, Peyton, take your base. Yeah. Uh, Brett McCleary, the backup catcher for Iowa, playing for Austin Martin, got the two RBI, uh, ended up being the game-winning single in the top of the 10th inning uh, for the 4-2 to victory over Purdue on the on the Friday night game. Uh, Zach DeZinzo, we mentioned him earlier, game-winning RBI single in the 9th uh, for the 4-3 to victory and sweep of IU. He hit 5.33 over the weekend. He did. He was 4-5 for five in that game. That was his fourth single uh, of that particular game. A couple of Minnesota guys had the exact, almost the exact same slash line. They both hit 571. They both got on base at a 600 clip and slugging exactly at 714. That was Brett Bateman from Minnesota and Chase Stanky from Minnesota. Minnesota hit the ball this weekend, but yeah. they still didn't really win. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach for Nebraska had a couple of home runs. He was six for 14 on the weekend. Cam Chick had a couple of home runs. One was inside the park. It hit basically at the bottom of the fence and ran away from the defender. Joe Aker also had two home runs. So Nebraska with a lot of power over the weekend. Uh, Brandon Comia uh, for Illinois was seven for 13 on the weekend Had five runs scored three RBIs. He had a home run and a double, you know, he has reached safely in 35 straight games, What? 35 Comia. Uh, but we're going to go to Rutgers with Big Bat. This will surprise you, Kyle. Another grand slam. <laughs> Jordan Sweeney for Rutgers hit a grand slam in the sixth run eighth inning for Rutgers. They were down 6 nothing in that game. Going into the eighth, mm-hmm. they, scored, they scored eight runs. Did I get that right? They were down 4 nothing. I think. They scored six runs to take a 6-4 victory in that game. Sweeney hit another home run on the weekend. He was 7 for 12 in the entire series with one grand slam and one home run. So Big Big Bat will go to Sweeney. Big Bat, big arm for this week. We'll talk to Will Boltz, the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. This is the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charter is here with Nebraska second-year coach Will Bolt. Uh, I've said this to some others, uh, Coach, that it it does feel weird that it's your second year considering what happened to everybody uh, last year. I'm not sure how much that counts. Uh, But but you've been around for a a couple of years now, entering this second year, and and certainly a guy very familiar with Nebraska being a, a former Cornhusker player yourself. First of all, uh, happy to have you on the show. Nebraska is our last representative here on the podcast, so excited to be able to catch up with you and talk about uh, your program. And it's it's been a program that this season has been really good. Uh, you guys have, have won eight of your last nine and really have it rolling. What's working so well for you? 
yeah well, first of all i appreciate you having me on um yeah we, we uh you know i think we've we've just what we've found out early in this season is that we've got a team that's found a way to win uh in some different ways um we've had some really good pitching performances uh, with a few shutouts in there we've had some games where we've, we've had to win some slugfests uh, and outside of just a handful of games, we've played pretty consistently well on defense uh, for most of the year. So, um, you know, you feel like when you when you have uh, the ability to get some good starting pitching and good good guys out of the pen, good performances out of the pen, uh, one through nine in the order. Plus, we've got a few guys that aren't necessarily cracking the everyday lineup that. Um, you know, give us a pretty good shot off the bench. And then, like I said, just bringing the defense to the, to the field every day. I think it's probably given us the best shot to be the most consistent team that we can be. Um, so, yeah, it's just been, it's been a combination of things. And we've had uh, a bunch of different guys step up on any given day, uh, which has been good to see on a good team. You've got to have, yeah. you've got to have that. You can't just rely on um, necessarily your stars to, have to get three hits for you to win or, you know, throw, you know, your starting pitcher have to go seven innings. We've been able to pick each other up and that, you know, that, that those are some good signs there um, that you guys are playing as a team. Yeah. In the preseason, you know, the Michigans and Indiana's Ohio state, maybe we're getting a, a, a lot of the, the publicity and you guys were too, to a certain extent, but I feel like there was some question about, you know, not the hitting, uh, but the pitching. And, but you guys have been really good there as well and I think um you know that's really probably the biggest area that you've made some strides yeah I would say for sure we we knew going into the off season last year um even in the 15 game season that we had we we knew we needed to get better on the mound um so we were able to add some key pieces um <clears throat> we had some good young pitching we felt like that we could kind of develop through the system but we also felt like we needed to get more experience um, and we brought in Chance Roach who's been a, a winner um, at New Mexico State and, and just been a guy that's really helped stabilize the rotation and then just adding some junior college uh, pitchers as well um, that have really just helped step in and eat up some innings we just we knew we needed to throw more strikes we knew we needed better stuff on the mound uh, if we were going to compete to have a chance to win the league and uh, feel like we were able to address some of that and probably a little bit maybe in a, in a more um, a different manner than we thought we would just with the season ending the way it did last year it, it allowed us to get to work on the roster a little bit sooner than yeah. we typically would be able to so I think that that certainly helped and having a guy like Chance out there in the portal uh, where he he was a grad transfer you know he wasn't expecting to have another year of eligibility that was huge as well so um, I feel like we've certainly pitched the ball a lot better. Um, and, and like I said, we've gotten better uh, behind the plate this year. I feel like defensively uh, our infield is much improved, which certainly helps your your pitchers out <clears throat> for the, their confidence. Um, but yeah, we, we've, we've definitely shorted some things up uh, on the mound and outside of, we've had some pretty offensive days. I mean, Illinois ballpark played incredibly offensive all weekend. Mm -hmm. And Iowa, we had a couple of days where it was it was pretty offensive. But outside of those days, I, I feel like our our pitching's really uh, they stood up and 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 answered the test. 
Yeah, I feel like in the last two decades, the number of times I've been in Champaign where the wind is not blowing 25 miles an hour out to straightaway center field have been have been extremely uh, few and far between. You tend to be able to hit the ball a little bit there. Uh, and, and so you do need some good pitching. Those guys, those weekend rotation guys, you mentioned Roach, but, you know, Cade Povich and Shea Shanneman, you know, that trio either of, of transfers or former transfers have, have done a heck of a job for you every week. I mean, basically giving you every game an opportunity to win, right? Right. And that's, that's really what we needed to have. Um, we needed to have more options at the front of the game, like you said, just to give us a, a good shot to get off to a good start. Uh, so we're not chasing runs. We're able to uh, score early and kind of build on those leads. And we have some strike throwers and some guys. If you have the lead, you can get some teams on swing at the plate and get them maybe a little uh, anxious to try to come back in games. And and that's what, you know, Kate Povich is a strike thrower and Chance Roach's entire career has been been a strike thrower and, and, and Shanneman's had a couple of really good starts. Um, you know, he's, he's new to the starting rotation. Um, even as a junior, he, he hasn't started in his career. So he's had a little bit of a mixed bag, but, um, you know, when he's been really, really good, he's, he's, he's really gotten us into the fifth or sixth inning a few times. And like you said, just giving us a good shot at the front of the game, um, to get the game stabilized and have a, uh, give our offense a chance to get going. We knew before the season that your offense would be good, and it has been good. So it's, it's always a good thing when those two, the projection and the actuality uh, uh, match up. Um, but hitting 287 as a team, what, 29 or 30 home runs, second in the Big Ten for both of those. But you guys can also run a little bit too, which I think is interesting. You mentioned just the versatility of your team. Uh, you know, I think number one in the league in steals too. With 24, you've got you've got a variety of, of ways in which you can put some pressure on uh, a team's pitching staff, an opponent's pitching staff, an opponent's defense too, right? Yeah, I mean, we we certainly feel like we had a pretty diverse offense coming into the year, uh, just with just what you touched on, guys that have the ability to um, impact the game in different ways um, with strength and speed, and that's something that you know we we have some guys that. We're already on the roster. There's some big-time players that were freshmen um, or that were sophomores when we showed up but had really good freshman years. I mean, Schwell and Bach and Chick are middle-of-the-order type hitters, but they're not just – they're not your base clogger guys that um, are kind of one-dimensional. I mean, Spencer's played an exceptional uh, shortstop. Cam Chick is one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, Jackson Hallmark is one of the faster players I've ever coached, uh, our center fielders. So – and those guys have seen, you know, some college baseball to this point. So they're they're able to do a bunch of different things. They can beat you uh, with the bunt base hit. Um, we're we're pretty good at moving runners along. Um, and and those guys have they have strength in the bat as well to to drive the ball out of the park. And um, you know, we just we feel like we want to have an offense that's capable of scoring runs regardless of what the the weather might be Um, because you never know what you're going to get right especially in our conference where it could be really cold one day and the wind could be blowing in you you better have some guys that can run and some guys that can punt um, and go first to third and and just move the offense along Um, and and, you know days that the wind's blowing out those guys have a shot to to impact the baseball and drive it as well so um, we felt like we were going to have that come in into the year Uh, we've had we have a, we have, certainly have a lot of veterans that have done a nice job. We also have some freshmen, which has been a good sign uh, that have stepped in and contributed right away as well. 
you know, one of those freshmen, I think uh, Drew and I were impressed with, at least within his first, you know, bat or two of the season against, against Purdue that opening weekend, that being Max Anderson. I mean, I think you could just tell right away that that guy has something at the plate that makes him pretty good. And he has been, I mean, it was more than just the one weekend. He's been pretty good. And in a league too, uh, Will, that I, I think has a lot of, of really good freshman players this year. It just feels like every weekend you see, you know, a team with a lineup that's got, you know, one, two, three true freshmen even who are, who are really contributing in a big fashion. And Anderson is, is one of those guys. You have to be really impressed with what you have seen with him. <clears throat> yeah, Max is uh, – he's a pretty gifted hitter. He's got incredible bat-to-ball skills, uh, his hand-eye coordination. Um, he's, he's just got a good swing, too. He's a guy that he can cover the entire plate. He can get to the, a good fastball in. He can handle the fastball away. Um, and because of that, he's able to stay balanced and stay on the breaking balls. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's just a guy that he's ready to hit when he walks to the plate. And uh, – he just he, he's by virtue of doing that he very rarely misses mistakes he's just he's ready to hit them and um, he's got a pretty advanced approach that way and he just again he's a guy that he just doesn't get too high or too low as a freshman which is pretty rare I mean it's pretty rare some guys it takes until their senior year to figure it out that sometimes we're our own worst enemies at the plate <laughs> but uh, but Max has been very even keeled he has all the, the physical gifts uh, but the mental side of it too is what really separates him. And um, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of really good players in this league that and and across the country in college baseball that have gotten to school uh, maybe that that wouldn't have with a with a shortened draft. Um, yeah. And and certainly Max Max was one that uh, we were fortunate to get in the summer. Um, he had he had actually committed and signed at Texas A&M when I was an assistant there. Um, and just with all the the numbers crunch um, and everything else involved with the COVID COVID year, um, we were fortunate that um, you know he, they just he was able to to just stay here at home in Nebraska and come play for us instead of going to Texas A and M. So uh, very very fortunate there uh, with that. Max is a great kid. He's a great teammate, and certainly he's off to a great start. You mentioned the shortened draft and, you know, having more guys available and, and potentially, you know, more guys sticking around as well. Uh, ha as a head coach of a, of a major program, how big a balancing act has that been over the last year? Yeah, we, we always uh, – the college baseball coaches have always got to um, be math majors as well, you know, <laughs> just trying to, to shuffle the 11.7, figure that out. Who's coming, who's going. Uh, I mean, this past year has created – Certainly uh, a lot more obstacles than, than usual. Uh, luckily, the NCAA gave us some relief uh, when it comes to roster sizes and, and, and getting a little bit of relief that way. Um, but, yeah, it's, been, it's definitely been a balancing act, uh, just trying to figure out, again, are the seniors going to get an extra year? If so, are they going to count against you? Um, you know, you're going to have guys – we got guys back that you didn't necessarily count on. Uh, because of the shortened draft, you got guys coming to school that maybe you didn't count on. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of variables in play that way. Um, but man, I, I'll tell you what our our seniors that have come back uh, for that extra year of eligibility um, have been huge for this team. Not only from a production standpoint, but a leadership standpoint, and just having another year playing under a new coaching staff. I couldn't be more thankful for those guys. Um, 
and what they brought to the team in terms of uh, the team chemistry aspect, the leadership, and everything else that goes along with it. You've got a couple of guys who are two-way players for you, Schwellenbach and uh, Jackson Hallmark. Do you have, and they've been really successful at doing it, do you have a general philosophy as a coach on those things, or is it just a matter of, you know, whether you've got a player that's uh, good enough and can sort of handle it both physically and mentally? Yeah, I think that that certainly plays into it, the physical and mental aspect of it. There's a, there's a lot of workload that goes into it on both sides. Um, with those two guys, usually most of their throwing throughout the week gets done with the pitchers. Uh, they don't do a ton of throwing with the, their position groups. Uh, Spencer, Spencer does probably once a week with us in the infield. Everything else is basically just field it and put it in your pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. But he – you know, he, he, he does probably one day a week of the throwing with the infield group and uh, Jackson, we, we only let him take infield outfield once a week as well. And so those guys have the mentality to do it as well. I, I like the two way player mentality. Um, the guys that are hit first pitch second and their in their mentality, because they, they know how hard it is when you get in the box that it is to hit. Uh, so sometimes maybe they don't overthink it. They think, well, they think like a hitter and they think, well, uh, you know, they, they may see something that um, it just stands out that if, Hey, if I go here, I can, I can get this guy to run out of bat or, Hey, this guy's got a little bit of a hole here. Um, and they just have that, that competitive nature that um, they're not really overthinking it. They're just out there um, trying to, trying to beat the hitter. And uh, so those, those guys have been really good. My general philosophy, I mean, we certainly like to try to recruit some guys that have some versatility because you never know which way it might go once guys get more physically mature and they come to college. And um, we've had, I've had guys through the years that we thought for sure would be pitchers that ended up being great hitters and vice versa. So um, do like the versatility, like multi-sport guys, like, like guys that can do a little bit of both um, in high school and on the summer circuit. And, and then you can kind of figure it out from there once they get to, they get to campus. Right. So what's it like for you to be back uh, at Nebraska? Of course, you, you played there, captained uh, the Nebraska squad that went to the CWS in 2001 and 2002. It's got to be uh, real exciting for you to be the, the man in charge. It is. I, it's a blessing. I, I mean, I don't take a day for granted to, to be back here, you know, at Nebraska. I mean, I'm a native Texan, but I've lived most of my adult life here in Nebraska now. I mean, I was here – uh, as a student athlete from fall of 1998 um, until the, the spring of 2003, basically when I was finishing my degree and then started my coaching career here for another couple of years. So seven years there um, mm-hmm. and came back and worked for, for Coach Erstad for, for three seasons, um, you know, and then back. So just Lincoln's a special place, University of Nebraska, our fans, uh, the, the way they support all of our sports programs, uh, our facilities, uh, we have everything we need from a player development standpoint. To, once our guys step foot on campus, they never stop developing. And that's not just from the baseball side, but just nutrition, strength. I mean, you name it. Uh, I mean, we have a sports performance lab that we can we can use where we have full-time staff that um, can speak to biomechanics and, and those type of things. So there's we have everything we need here um, to help us be successful and just me – Personally, um, having played here and, and been a part of some pretty special teams, uh, it is certainly an honor uh, to be back here and, and have an opportunity to, to um, run the Husker baseball program. When you've been a player there and you've coached 
uh, under the man that you ended up, uh, you know, then uh, taking the job after. How do you go about putting sort of your own stamp on what you want the program to be? And, and what is that stamp? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And, and that was one of the things, um, I mean, of course, when I, when I had an opportunity to come back here and coach, it, it became a no-brainer for me. It was a no-brainer from the standpoint of love Nebraska, love the state, those type of things. I, I think the things that I wanted to make sure of was that, okay, can we, can Nebraska be at the level of competing to host regionals year in and year out and have a chance to go to Omaha? Because um, ultimately, uh, that's when you're playing college baseball, that's the ultimate goal. And you know, a lot of people thought once Nebraska moved to the Big Ten, it was going to change things. And and we've seen the the Big Ten baseball just elevate its game over the last 10 years. New facilities, uh, coaching, got, you know, guys are recruiting better. They're, co- they're, you know, great coaches all around the league, the facilities, you name it. It's just gotten better and better. But what we wanted to kind of take a look at is like, let's let's look back at some of the rosters that we had. Um, with some of our great runs. I mean, I guess you could probably point to 1999 to about 2005 when we went to Omaha three, three, three times in that time frame um, and, and we're winning championships in the Big 12. Could we recruit the same footprint that, that we mm-hmm. did in those days? And certainly the answer is yes. I mean, it was a resounding yes for us. You just go back and look at some of those teams. Um, <clears throat> they were built from in-state. Uh, they were built from adding some junior college pieces uh, just to help with the depth. And a lot of those kids were Nebraska kids that had gone elsewhere right. to, to junior colleges that had come back. And then you tap into some of your, your resources as, as coaches. And I, all my staff has Texas ties um, with, with recruiting because we're, we're all either from Texas or having coached in Texas before. Uh, and, and you just, we have, uh, connections in Canada and Hawaii and some other places where you might have to get a little creative um, at a place like Nebraska. So we we wanted to make sure that we could um, kind of try to recreate that recruiting footprint once we got here. And we feel like we were able to do that in a shortened season last year to help add to the depth of this roster uh, in, in future seasons. And, you know, you, you kind of you start doing that and you've got a roster full of guys that uh, love Nebraska. They love the Huskers. They're, 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 a lot of them were born and raised Husker fans, um, and they're going to pour their heart and soul into it. And there may be some guys, I mean, honestly, like myself, that are coming from out of state that <clears throat> may be overlooked a little bit and maybe play with a little bit more of a chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's ultimately the way that, um, <clears throat> you know, I want our teams to be thought of is we're going to play fearless. We're going to be aggressive. Um, we're going to play as a team and we're going to play uh, with a mindset that uh, we're, we're here to win each day. And um, so far, that's that's what we've seen from this group. Yeah, this year it's got you at the top of the Big Ten. We're through the first five weekends. Has anything surprised you about how things have gone? Maybe not just for your team, but just in general with this schedule and playing only on the weekends and playing a, a Big Ten only slate. Anything at this point that you're sort of, uh, you know, surprised by? I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, I, I knew, I think we all knew as coaches going into this year, we were all felt really good about our teams with the, with the depth and the talent that we all had returning or coming in. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I think that probably the biggest disappointment was just not being able to play the non-conference games to help build the resume to prove that we feel like we had a, I mean, this is a, a season where we feel like there were six teams, seven teams maybe that were legitimate. I mean, you go into the year going, man, that, there's no doubt that's a roster that they, they could go to regionals for sure. Yeah. So that, that part of it was certainly disappointing, not being able to play the non-conference games. But, uh, you know, it's just it, going right – I will say this, just going right into conference play has heightened the, the sense of awareness for everybody, <laughs> I think, right away, where every game is important for the standings. Uh, you know, the, the guys got over the disappointment initially of hearing that almost everybody else is playing 56 games and playing a, a regular – schedule and we're not but man i tell you what when we we start the season right away against conference rivals uh that all that stuff is thrown out the window i mean everybody's yeah. dumping it out every weekend uh everybody's good uh there's nobody that you can just show up and, and just out talent um everybody's good everybody's got i mean the, the velocity um that, that we're facing week in and week out is incredible um and the lineups and just everything i mean it's it's been a battle. Um, so that part of it, once, once we got going with that and got over the initial disappointment of, man, I wish we could do this or that. Um, it's been fun to just go right into conference play and, and, uh, have our guys get after it that way. Yeah. Well, Maryland this weekend at home, it's gotta be nice to have, uh, at least some fans there in Haymarket, one of the, uh, one of the great environments for college baseball. Amazing. I mean, having the, that, the decision come down, uh, last week, uh, knowing that we, it was right before our first home games was huge. I mean, you could just see the the spring and the extra spring and the step with our guys that week in practice when the, it's the word started coming down that we could have fans. And uh, like I said, I mean, this place is special when it comes to their support of all Husker sports. Uh, we have a beautiful ballpark, great sight lines. I mean, a, a concourse that's 360 degrees around the stadium. There's not a bad seat in the house. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing to be able to have, um, Husker fans out there, something that you never think that you ever take for granted ever. Um, but when you have a year that gets ripped away from you, like last year and you start the season with no fans in the stands and, um, man, to have, have the go big red chance going and the, <laughs> the, the claps, the, the cheers and just everything, it just gives you goosebumps, um, and reminds you why, um, yeah, Husker fans are awesome. Yeah. Hey, Will, appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for coming on with us, and, and best of luck the rest of the season. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That's Nebraska coach Will Bolt joining us on the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Big Baseball Podcast. And thanks to Will Bolt for coming on the podcast. Really happy to uh, catch up with him, talk a little bit of nebraska baseball we do need to make a correction because both you and i keep doing this and i'm not sure why we have this in our mind i've done it i think we did it during the broadcast for purdue nebraska in the opening weekend shay shanneman is not a transfer we just need yeah. to stop like whatever whatever block we both have on that i think my confusion is roach is a transfer and they have another transfer who comes out of the bullpen from texas a&m and i think i you're bouncing them around I think a little I, bit. I bounced them around, and then I heard you say that Shannon was a. Oh, you're going to. Yep. What? And then I heard you say that Shannon was a. This uh, is not my transfer fault. during the broadcast. Could we have that on tape? Can we go back and look? <laughs>
I don't know. I have no VHS. I have no clue if you said that or not. I'm totally making that up. No, I don't know where. I've even got. I've even said it during the interview just now. With with and he was nice enough not to like be like, "Hey, you're wrong." He just answered the question, which was nice of him. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we get that from. But anyway, uh, after we do the podcast every week, we have a whole team out there that we go out and debrief and they tell us everything we got wrong during the show. Uh, we don't really have that. That'd be nice if we did. All right, let's hit the weekend rotation. Drew, let's talk uh, most impressive teams because we are now five weekends through uh, the Big Ten season, through the season. And I think we have some opinions on who we really like. And the team that I like is the team that we saw on the first weekend. Now, I, I didn't know for sure with Nebraska after one weekend, but the Cornhuskers, if you just look at the Cornhuskers from a statistical point of view, you like them. You also like them passing the eye test. But this is a team that offensively we knew would be good, and they are. The Cornhuskers rank second in the Big Ten in an average 287. They're second in the Big Ten in home runs with 30. They can run. They have 24 steals, which is atop the Big Ten. The pitching staff has been good enough with a 4-3-1 ERA. That ranks basically right in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten, sixth. So it's been... It's been a good team statistically. We liked them when we saw them in the first weekend, and obviously now, you know, they're winning games too. I think it's hard not to like what Will Bolt has. For me, it's it's the lineup on the offensive side. There's yeah. no holes at all in the lineup. Yeah. You, you know, you start off with Joe Acker, who's, and then you go to Jackson Hallmark, Schwellenbach, Cam Chick, Max Anderson, Luke Roskam, Leighton Banhoff. Logan Foster, who's a transfer from AM. He is a transfer from AM. <laughs> you know, like, where's the hole in that lineup? It's Nowhere. just guy after guy who can rake. Did you, have you noticed? I saw this uh, when I was uh, actually doing some research before the interview with Will Bolt. They have five guys whose OPS is over 1,000. Why, really? Yeah. Five guys in the lineup. OPS over 1,000. So, yeah, they're able to hit the ball. They're, you know, there are no breaks. We see some of the, some teams, um, you know, and there are some breaks there every every third inning. You you know you're maybe facing the the bottom half of the order, and you know there there might be a little bit of a breather there. I, I just don't think there's much of a breather yeah. uh, with Nebraska. Have have we talked about Michigan enough? We I feel like we've barely talked about Michigan <laughs> on this podcast, and they're in second in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to I, after the first series of the year, I said, eh, it's Michigan. They're going <laughs> to win a lot of games, but nothing yeah. like nothing like jumps out at you to me that there probably is if you start digging but nothing like jumps out as like man that's that's outstanding they're just consistently right. going to win a lot of games yeah i mean if you look at them you know they're they're not hitting great they're in the middle of the pack you know that's what i mean but they're, they're winning they're middle pack but they're winning the 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 staff is good yeah i mean there are is in the threes they're they're going to you know that staff is going to keep the wolverines in games and then they can just hit it enough and they've had some big hits at key moments, it seems like, and, and watching them from afar, that they have come up with with good at-bats when they've needed to yeah. to win games. And, you know, that's what you have to do, even more than just your batting average, but just be able to come up in clutch spots. And that's a Michigan team that still has enough veterans and, you know, a winning culture and, and sort of knows what it uh, – what it can get done. The team we haven't seen, you know, we've seen a lot of these teams. We, you know, you got to like what Northwestern is doing 
offensively and just pounding the ball. I hope that keeps up when they, you know, in the second half of the year, they play some other, you know, solid competition. So for Northwestern, it's the offense. For Ohio State, it's the the pitching. Um, we haven't seen Ohio State yet, but, man, that uh, that staff, and especially if it can continue to do not exactly what it did against Indiana, but close to it, is pretty darn good. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, here's, the, uh, here's a note. Um, there have been no, aside from the Indiana-Penn State series, there have been no uh, postponements, right? I didn't know. We, we haven't, there's been no missed games, no postponements. I mean, I, I don't even know if we're really allowed to be talking about this because, you know, it's one of those unwritten baseball rules like <laughs> you can't talk about weather delays or if it's going to rain or anything. It. Isn't that wild? It, that unless is. I'm missing something, we haven't missed any games. Yeah, I, I just think that, I mean, it's, it's proof that, you know, these clubs are doing a good job at yeah. following the rules. and. Well, yeah, of COVID issues, yes, which is good. Um, I mean, that's a, a real positive, but also just weather. <laughs> We've had well, I to, think there's been some weather. There's been, there's been a few weather delays. Delay. A few of those series that a couple weeks ago were that, pushed on Monday. That ended on Monday yeah. were due to, I think, some poor weather on Friday. But, but the COVID thing, too, I mean, it probably helps to be an outdoor sport. You don't have to congregate, but teams are traveling together, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, so knock on wood, hopefully we're coming out of that just in general as a society a little bit, but also... Um, you know, may, managing to, to get through this as well. All right, uh, let's hit topic number three quickly here. And teams that we are looking at uh, series this weekend, I, I think this is obvious that we're both looking at the same one. I mean, yeah. it, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. It's the big one. It's the big one, uh, you know, because we want to see want to see that offense we talked about uh, with Michigan, the sort of their middle of the pack. But those two pitching staffs against each other, man, that's going to be exciting. Should be great baseball. Uh, I will literally be watching Purdue in its pod uh, for its four games this weekend. But from afar, that's the series. I'll throw IU in there. Yeah. They play Illinois. Kind of Illinois has been a middle-of-the-pack team this season. So I think coming off the sweep, um, the IU just lost four straight games. I Five straight, I suppose, but four straight in the series. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about Indiana. Which yeah. direction do they go? Right. Yeah, it'll be good. Good to watch that one. Good to watch uh, Ohio State and Michigan and, of course, uh, Purdue in its pod this weekend. All right, that'll do it for our podcast for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, for Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!